set apart. And I'm going to come back to that a bit later. But who's heard the saying, <clears throat> I can't see the forest because of all the trees? What does that mean? Well, the Cambridge Dictionary describes this as to be unable to understand a situation clearly because you're too involved in it. And isn't that us in our own heads? And I've spent uh, 18 years as a career coach and um, it never ceased to amaze me how people just can't get out of their own head. You know, whether it's because of pride or stubbornness, um, it can keep us stuck. But I seriously love my job as a career coach because, I mean, people would walk away from me after um, I've helped them to reframe their, their work achievements uh, in a way that they say they could never have come up with those words and how to describe them to a new employer. They walked away with a renewed sense of value that they were now able to offer. Now, the strange thing is, I never told them anything they didn't already know. But it helped them see a new perspective or a bigger picture, to be able to get away from the trees and see the forest. For some, that's been seriously life-changing, and I'm talking executives and everything, you know. <clears throat> it was the most rewarding job I ever had. But do you think I'm any good at promoting myself? <laughs> Not a chance. And any coach will tell you that. And, and why is it? Because in our head, we've got so many trees, can't see the forest. <clears throat> We're so intricately involved with every area of our life that pulling out the specific elements that are important for someone else to hear, that's super challenging. But someone who's not intricately involved in all of their stuff, like a coach or maybe a counsellor, um, they're able to see the forest because they're not involved in the trees. Who's here been to a shed night before? <clears throat> okay, yeah, quite a few, it's good. It's where guys are interviewed about their story. Um, and every one of us has a story, like Nick was saying. But you know, we have multiple stories, in fact. And it's taught me that the beauty of your story is that nobody can tell you you're wrong. They might argue with your footy team or your political view, but they can't argue with your story. It will be all true for you. The stories that we make up is what happens to us during our time in the red tape. Who knows what I'm talking about when I say your time in the red tape bit? Anyone? Couple? Yeah, there's a couple there. All right. For those that don't know what I'm talking about, um, what's this clip from Francis Chan? What's going, man? What am I going to look forward to at the end? I'm going to bring an illustration that this is like the first illustration I did. It was 20 years ago, but I can't think of a better way to, to explain it. Um, I actually didn't use a rope back then. I used a, remember, a, remember computer paper when uh, it was all stuck together and it had the holes on the side that you had to peel off? Remember that? I remember getting a, a roll, and some of you guys have no idea what I'm talking about, which is crazy to me. But, because uh, that was the best, you know? And, um, and it never worked right because of the rolling things. But, uh, but I, I, had, I remember being a youth pastor and I put uh, that computer paper all the way around the room and... Uh, but I'm going to use a rope now because I can't find that computer paper. Um, imagine this rope. Okay, pretend this rope just goes on forever. Okay? Just imagination. Pretend it goes around the world a few times. It doesn't. It ends at the rock. But uh, let's just imagine this thing goes on forever. Now imagine that this rope is a timeline of your existence. You just exist forever. You see this red part? This would represent your time on Earth. You've got a few short years here on Earth 
and then you've got all of eternity somewhere else. This is, this is your existence. And what blows me away is some of you, all you think about is this red part. It's all you think about. You're consumed with this. You go, oh man, I can't wait till here. You know, I'm going to work hard. I'm going to save, save, save so I can really enjoy this part right here. <laughs> and you're consumed with that. And you're thinking, oh man, am I going to get to travel? Am I going to eat well? Am I going to do this during this part? And I'm like, are you kidding me? What about this? What about this? What about, what about all this stuff? It's, just, it's crazy to me because the Bible teaches that what I do during this little red part determines how I'm going to exist for millions and millions and millions of years forever. And, and so why would I spend this little red part trying to make myself as comfortable as possible, enjoying myself as much as I can, Paul says, look, I'm going to live my life for this mission. I'm going to spend my life, invest my life for this moment when I cross that finish line. See, I'm going to forget about all this stuff I could enjoy. And I'm not going to look around. I'm going to be like a runner just looking at that moment when I face God. Because when I face him, then I don't get this chance over again. We get one chance at this life on earth. And it can end at any second for any of us. We've got one chance at this. And then comes eternity. And I'm not going to be fooled. I'm not going to spend my life down here. See, people look at some of my decisions and go, oh, you're so stupid because that's going to really affect this. I go, no, you're stupid because it's going to affect all of this. Man, I, I, I'm serious. I, I, look, I look at the way people live and I go, wow, that is so crazy. You are so crazy. You're going you're gonna to do that right now, just to enjoy right now, not even knowing if you have tomorrow and you think that's smart and that I'm dumb, it doesn't make any sense. Paul goes, I'm not going to look around at all this stuff. And it's tempting. It's tempting to all of us. That's what I'm saying. Down here, it's crazy because everyone lives that way. Everyone lives for the red part. No one's thinking about the millions of years afterwards. It's, it's just a crazy deception that we can't get out of our minds. And Paul goes, I'm not doing that. He goes, I keep my eyes on that. I keep my eyes on that finish line and I'm going to forget what's behind me. I'm not looking around. I'm just going to, I'm straining because I'm straining forward. I'm like stretching forward for that mark. I'm going to pass this thing. I'm going to live this out and I'm going to face him. I'm going to come before the judges and he's going to hand me that trophy. He goes, I'm going to get it. And I haven't gotten there yet. He goes, but I, you better believe I'm using every muscle, exerting every bit about me because I'm going to pass that line well. How good is that? I love his haircut, eh? The part, six-inch part, yeah. <clears throat> so we get one crack at this red part, right? One crack at it. How well are you living yours? Yeah, right, of course you are. Oh man, what is going on? Who did that? Hmm. What's going on? So our story of what happens during the red tape, it's a bit like the Bible, you know, it's it's one story. It's actually his story or history. Um, but it consists of lots of stories. It's a bit the big, like the big picture message that Jesus gave us, you know, love God, love others. 
and he told us multiple parables or stories of how to live that out. You may know of a guy uh, from the, in the Bible called David because of the story of him with Goliath or maybe Jonah and the whale. Um, but we, see, we humans seem to be drawn to stories. So what about you? What's your story? How many stories have you, do you have? Do you have lots? Do you have a few? Or do you feel like you have none? Maybe you're like me when I thought, well, you know, I can rattle off a few life moments and call them stories if you want. Um, but who'd want to hear them? I never saw my life as a story, but rather a series of coincidences or events that I kind of persevered through to get where I am today. But <clears throat> I've, um, the more stories I hear from other men, the clearer those coincidences in life have become. And I began to see coincidences differently. Like it was a coincidence when my friend received a call from his home phone, which hardly ever rang because he didn't give it out much, but it rang at the exact moment he had a revolver to his head. And it was a lady that he'd met only once inviting him to church that day. Or when I get a, a puzzling text on Sunday morning when I'm playing golf, when I'm normally here at church, and it was from a guy who was literally going to take his life at that moment. Had I been in church, I wouldn't have seen his message for an hour or so. Or when people help me to see things, you know, the domino effect uh, of things, when I thought, you know, I was in a dark valley or the wilderness, and I can see this and that had to happen for me to be where I am right now. It's amazing to see God working and moving. And I certainly don't consider any of these things coincidences. And I think stories like this are really super encouraging. And so I'm here to tell you that there's immense, story in our, immense power in our stories, in my story and in your story. And if you come along to a shed night, you know, you'll get an idea of what I'm talking about there. But this is also backed up in the Bible. And this morning I want to show you where the power in your story is. And also how the New Testament shows us how we can use this power. And there are two places I'd like to draw your attention. We've got 1 Peter, Peter 3 and Revelation 12. <clears throat> if, like me, you're a follower of Jesus, and then um, we are all called to be ready to tell someone for the reason that we have the hope. And we see this in 1 Peter 3.15. Peter's just told these Christians to love each other as brothers and sisters and not to worry or be afraid about the threats from non-believers. And then he says, instead, you must worship Christ as your Lord of your life. And if someone asks you for the hope you have as a believer, always be ready to explain it. And verse 16 is important, but do this uh, in a gentle and respectful way. So the reason for your hope, that's the essence of your story. It needs to be the essence of your story. And also in Revelation 12, 11, it says, And they have defeated him by the blood of the Lamb, and by their testimony. And they did not love their lives so much that they were afraid to die. So defeated him, that's Satan. So this speaks of a battle that's going on in the heavenly realm. It says Michael and his angels against the dragon and his angels. Their testimony, that's their story. It's our story. It's defeating the one enemy we mostly forget about. So there's negative thoughts in our head. Where do they come from? Our enemy, right? This is where the battle is, right there. And it can be won, though, 
by rearranging your story. It just takes a mind shift. Retelling your story that incorporates Jesus, the blood of the Lamb. That's where the power is. So stay with me on this one. So let's look at those negative thoughts because we all have them. Granted, some are louder than others, but nobody is immune. It's that voice that says how we've never been good at anything, we'll never amount to anything. It strikes comedians at the height of their profession, athletes at the top of their game, even senior pastors. No one's immune. So how do we get these negative stories there in the first place? So Eve wasn't lied to initially. She was simply asked a question that made her question. Did God really say? So what question is he asking you? Am I really a man? Am I a real man? My question all week for me has been, will I measure up to the standard you guys have on what you're expecting today? What if I get found out that I'm simply faking masculinity? How on earth did I get this far? If people really knew the real me, they wouldn't like me as much as they do now, so I better keep up my facade and no one will be any the wiser. We all have these questions being regularly put to us. In fact, we have a whole wall in our mind of all these things that we question about ourselves. It's full of evidence of our past showing how we're such a failure. It's so compelling to look at because it's all true. All those bad things did happen to me. I did fail at some things. I was very selfish. Selfish. I did used to have hair. But I agree with you, mate. Totally agree. But you have your own wall as well. And we've all missed the mark on so many occasions. My wall says, I grew up bullied at school, had a pedophile uncle, Parents that then didn't believe me. I spent 20 years in the army teaching myself to look after me. I was a business owner that had poor moral ethics. I've had three failed marriages. I might stop there. But this is where guilt, shame, condemnation, unforgiveness, bitterness, that's where that resides. Right there. But it's not a competition to say, well, your wall, my wall's worse than yours. But some guys think, oh, you know, your wall can't be as bad as mine, so you wouldn't understand, so therefore they don't tell anybody. So that if we know that we have our own wall, and well, what do we do with this? <clears throat> we can do what the world says. We can focus on goals and positive mantras. We might start even reading the Bible. Or we might be so distant that reading the Bible is the last thing that we want to do. We can also go into combat mode. We can stand our ground and fight our enemy using spiritual warfare, which I'm sure is what the devil would want us to do. We have another option. We can simply go look at another wall. Leave this playground, go find another one to play at. Take your bat and ball from this battlefield and go look at another wall. That is also true about you, but it's not the negative stuff. And I'm not saying that we pretend that this wall doesn't exist because um, we're going to get many reminders about it and new things will continue to keep us looking at it. What I'm saying is though we don't need to get caught up in a fight about um, a fight you don't need to partake in. <laughs> Nick uh, showed me this one. It's like a six-year-old teasing me uh, because I'm bald. 
do you really want to you know, get into an argument about the fact that I really do have some hair, I just cut it really short? And calling me bald is not nice. And saying, you know, I'm going to fight you until you stop saying that. See how ridiculous that sounds? It's the same with this wall. Same with those negative thoughts in your head. Choose a different playing field. Choose not to fight with a six-year-old. I want you to choose a different internal tape to run, a different perspective to focus on. But to play a different tape or to see a different perspective, firstly, you need to believe in the possibility that there is another one. And that's where the coach or the counsellor comes in. There's only one person that can't see the forest because of the trees, and that's us, because everyone else can see it, because they aren't in the middle of our trees. Put your hand up if you reckon you're pretty good at picking when somebody's trying to pull the wool over your eyes. You, know, you can pick out someone when they're trying to just do it, right? So most people here? Actually, we all think we're pretty good at it. And yet we all think we can hide our own stuff from other people because they won't see it. Well, we've just proven that most of us uh, can see right through that, right? So what's the internal tape that you tell your story? Maybe you've never thought about this concept before. Um, and maybe this is a totally foreign concept. But we actually do tell the story we believe by the way we live our life. And we've just proven that most people here can see right through your facade, right? We can tell. It's like <clears throat> the one who's tightly wound, you know, they're full of rage and anger. They're ready with adrenaline in the veins to snap at any moment. You can tell them. Maybe the one who engage, avoids engaging in life because they've had their trust broken. There's the one who walks around with their head down all the time because they see themselves as a failure from comparing to others. Or the complainer. And usually their wall is full of injustice. You can also pick someone who's carefree, walks around with a smile all the time, offers grace wherever they go. And for me, I think of Mike Tobin. In actual fact, both these guys here, um, I would put in that category. Um, Mike certainly knew which wall to focus on and how to tell the story of Jesus well in his life. And there are other examples as well, but we all know guys who tell this story without opening their mouth. And if you'd like to know how you display your story, ask two or three people that you trust to be honest with you and not just be nice to you. So let's focus on this uh, reframe and, uh, and let's get a new perspective so that when people ask you for the hope that lies within you, you've got a better idea of how to tell your story and show the power that Revelation talks about. Who's seen the movie Vantage Point? Anyone? No one. Can't believe it. You only got one. I'll talk to you, mate. No, no. <laughs> it's, a, it's an attempt on an, uh, an assassination attempt on an American president. <clears throat> and they show the story, um, the movie, of six different people because they all have six different vantage points. And so what you end up with is you end up with six different stories. But every one of them is true. Just because this is true for this person, which it is, doesn't mean that the other stories aren't true. They're just a different perspective. So what you believe is actually true for you. But like in that movie, the truth can also be told in a different way and still be truth. You see, wherever those negative thoughts in your head are, whether it's 
whether those negative thoughts in your head are true or not, it's actually irrelevant. It's which perspective do you want to own? I'm going to say that again. Whether those negative thoughts in your head are true or not is irrelevant, totally irrelevant. It's which perspective do you want to own and then live that out. Personally, I want God's vantage point because when I can see what he sees, then I'm able to trust him much more. And so as a career coach, I know the theory of getting a new perspective, but because I have all these trees around me, that's really hard for me to see any other perspective. So I know how hard this can be. However, with help, uh, I can see God's hand and work in my life. So I get to have um, that having all that makes sense in theory, um, but when you honour God and you, tell, you can tell when someone else um, is honouring God, but under putting that into our own life, that can be really, really challenging. So what I'd like to do now is I'd like to invite up a couple of champions, uh, Dale and Marcus. Come on up here and... Uh, I want to have a chat with these guys. Yeah, give them a hand. Oh, starting with me. Starting with you, mate. So um, I've asked these guys to come up and <clears throat> I've given them um, some questions to answer and, and so they've had some time to think about the responses to these. Um, but I just wanted you to hear uh, a bit about their story. So Marcus, what's been a, a significant time in your life recently? Uh, yeah, I would say my move from Sweden to here would be the most significant lately. And uh, moving from Sweden to here was, uh, I started off when I was in Sweden, I used to work as a city attorney uh, for 15 years. Um, when I heard that, that was the first time I saw that red tape thing, um, I was definitely that. I was, the red tape was everything. Uh, well known in the council I worked in, which was a big council for Sweden. Um, well known, well respected, all the big house and money and all of that stuff, which was all red tape. So you were an attorney? Yes. Yeah, right. Uh, then moving to here wasn't really my choice. Uh, so my wife who wanted to come back, she hated snow. Good choice to move to Sweden, but all right. Uh, yeah, so we moved back here. Um, yeah, I lost my job or lost, uh, quit my job and uh, was unemployed for almost a year. Uh, ended up then selling beds in Ikea. Of course, Swedish, go to Ikea. Uh, and then uh, at the moment, I'm still working at Ikea. But yeah, when I moved here, was not a, it was not my thing to push trolleys and sell beds in Ikea. It's a very low point. So, so talk about that low point. You know, this is 12 months without work. How did, what, what did the low point look like for you? Yeah, I, I felt totally, I was angry at everyone, uh, Australians especially, that wouldn't see the potential I had and how good I was. And my, I'm a lawyer, I'm a master of law. I mean, come on. And yeah, the, I felt very outside, very lonely. Um, and... Uh, yeah, I, I blamed everyone and was uh, yeah angry at most of the things around here. <clears throat> Did you like the man you were at that time? Um, then I didn't see any other choice. I was, uh, but looking back, no, I was not a, in a good place in any. And how did that play out? Not not being in a good place. No, I, I got heavily into alcohol and I got, yeah, really down the 
it was a slippery slope, but I, I can see that I was trying to fight it. I'm trying to do it my way and not following God's word and doing what I should have been doing. Did you feel like you belonged at that point? No. You're all foreigners to me. <laughs> Weird kind of breed down here. <laughs> yeah, I got a jumper on. You don't, you don't, yeah. you don't even own a jumper. <laughs> it's summer. <laughs> Did you feel that God was close to you then? No, not at all. Not at all. Okay. So I want to ask you the same question now, and, and um, I'd like you to answer the question again as, as kind of we discussed. So, so, Marcus, can you tell me about a significant time in your life recently? Yeah, when I moved to Australia. Okay. <laughs> yeah, no, um, I, uh, when I moved here, uh, like I just described, it was dark, but uh, about 10 months or, yeah, ten, a little over 10 months ago, I, I really connected with God again. I really felt a, a real shift, and I sort of hit rock bottom. I, I can't go any lower, and looking back, I can see that I'm pushing back. I'm saying, no, 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 I'm going to do it my way. Uh, God trying to sort of show me in all kind of ways. <laughs> You're going the wrong way, mate. But, yeah, I'm, I'm struggling. I'm doing the wrong thing. Until I, like I said, hit rock bottom, I got uh, sick, so I had to stay off work uh, for quite a while uh, and really found my way back home, uh, which made me realize exactly what he said. Don't live for the red tape. And um, has God used all those negative things in life to change you? Definitely. I think everyone who kn knew me back then knows that it's a huge difference. Right. And do you like the person that you've become? Much better. Because of that? Much better. Do you feel like you belong and you're worthy of love? Yes. Definitely. How good that? Same story, different perspective. Thanks, Marcus. Good on you, mate. So, Baldy. Do we, do we firstly clarify that we're not related? Yeah, I know. One of us is good looking, right? I reckon they were thinking that. They were like, oh, Paul's just pulled his son in. Yeah. <laughs> I think the Holy Spirit needed me to start with a joke. I think we're about to get serious. I, I was going to say brother, but, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Does, well, clarify, older or younger? Yeah, let them decide. Yeah. I'll put the contacts in today too because if I was wearing glasses this was going to get dicey but okay yeah yeah it would have been too uh, how, do we, how do we go from there I think we're just uh, prolonging this but let me just let's, re read the let's question take the maybe, yeah. let's take the band aid off yeah okay rip it off <coughs> so what uh, Dale tell me what's been a significant time in your life recently yeah well I don't um I think um, I think when yeah, I think when you and I spoke about this the other day, I don't even think you knew where this was going, and there's probably only a handful of people that do. I mean, Marcus's story is um, phenomenal. Um, and I hope you just keep you, I hope you just keep trusting in the Lord, mate. You've done a power of work for your family in a in a short amount of time, and um, hats off to you, mate. A, um, a job title and Money and houses uh, don't mean anything um, without the love of your, of your family. And um, well done for you for supporting your family on that move. Um, with me, I guess, um, 
it's probably in the last 12 to 16 months and uh, it started uh, April 18th uh, last year where I, um, I, I walked out the doors of Vita Group after finding out in the uh, month beforehand that I was going to be made redundant with COVID. Um, I was walk working for a, um, a Vita Group as a, a Brisbane-based company with a lot of money, but uh, the um, business unit that I was working in, the sports apparel uh, business unit that they owned, uh, they decided to put the red line uh, through that business unit. Um, so, you know, leading into what Marcus was talking about, there goes the salary. Um, and uh, I guess within that, we'd found out two weeks before because of COVID that Aaron had no work. So Aaron, I was the primary income um, on a six-figure salary and uh, Aaron worked a couple of days a week. And so two weeks beforehand, Rebel, Rebel had told Aaron that there was no work for her. And then April 18, I walked out the door with a redundancy package um, and no clear sight on, uh, on work. Um, I want to clarify that, you know, and I, I'm thankful for the redundancy package. Um, you um, you earn what you earn and you get your entitlement. So I definitely feel like God was looking after us there in that moment. Um, and then you, you fast forward then a couple of months later. So here I am thinking with my resume, it's going to be easy to find a job. And, mate, I've, you know, here and you, I've, I've got nothing to complain about. Like, well, but... Um, you fast forward a few months and Jono's doing the men's breakfast. I think it's August 1st last year. And uh, come to men's breakfast, do, do the right thing, come to men's breakfast and then head off to Noosa uh, with my lovely family. So it's Aaron, Fletcher and Owen. And, uh, well, that, that day is going to live um, uh, in my memory for the rest of my life. Um, and I'd love to say it was because of Jono's content, but sorry, mate, it was... I could actually could hardly probably really remember what he was talking about. Actually, I can, but but um, um, so Fletcher falls out of falls two and a half meters um, out of a tree in Noosa National Park, and uh, by the grace of God, um, he catches the branch as he's falling, and he falls forward rather than backwards. And I, I you know, if you guys want to think about two and a half meters and um, it's it's a it's a heavy distance and um, if Fletcher falls onto the back of his head onto those rocks, Fletcher's gone. And um, uh, you know, so so we get into that and that's that's crisis mode and, and we we jump in and and we we do what needs to, needs to be done. You, you know, you're calling ambulances and again, God's all around us in the midst two surfers come running up and see it happen and Nick and Tim as we know them to this day are, are Christians and uh, Nick starts praying over Aaron and Fletcher while Tim settles our youngest while I, I can co try and coordinate an ambulance to get into Newson National Park to, to get Fletcher out so um, post that obviously there's a fair bit of damage to Fletcher's face so we go through a fair bit of work Fletcher has wires put in his mouth um, you know, surgery through his jaw, two breaks either side of his um, of his ear, uh, and one cl cleanly through his um, uh, through his lower jaw. But I guess where I went with you the other day, and where I I saw you go flat, and I had this conversation with um, with Nick last Saturday night, and I've had it with a few men. Is that all these things? 
you know, are just masking the cracks on what I told you with a wall, and that's my marriage. And um, two months later, as Fletcher was healing, I told Aaron that I was leaving. Um, you know, it, it just, everything had come to a head. It, um, I, I want to clarify that um, for the people that do know, um, I never stopped loving Erin, but I just thought that the things that were going on in our life, um, you know, outside of losing a job and so forth, there was you know, parts of our marriage, our, our, our parenting that I thought were, um, were just conflicting too much and I thought that I was doing a lot of damage to Erin. Um, so to clarify, I never, I never stopped loving her. Um, it's just that I thought I was doing a lot of damage to her. Um, and um, I'm a very stubborn person by nature. And um, again, if it wasn't by the grace of God and allowing myself to be open, it was five days later after telling Aaron that I was leaving paperwork was printed that Jono fronted me at my house and um, he was unbelievable um, you know if you want to if you ever want to look for a marker in a, for a shepherd in your life um, that's definitely what Jono is for me he, he's, um, he's the shepherd he's, the, he's God's calling into my life and I'll, I'll leave, I want to leave you with this because I think it's especially prominent for a lot of males is that Jono let me speak and hopefully that in some point in your life you've always got someone that will let you speak to them. But I also want you to know that you need to be receptive to be able to listen because what Jono came to me with, next with will always stay with me. And he said to me, mate, who do you think you are, Jesus? Because only Jesus can fix everything that you're talking about. And right then, right there, it smacked me right in the face that I'd, I thought I could control everything. That I thought I could fix Aaron. That I could, could fix my marriage. That I could fix my kids. But I couldn't. Only Jesus could. Mate, thank you for sharing that. That's, um, that's a, a, an amazing testimony. And I think you're just actually a testament to the fact that the way we, t we spoke about how I wanted you to separate the bad and then talk about the good, like Marcus said, you couldn't even do that. You couldn't. And that's a testament to you and the work that you've done. Because you could look at your life and go, well, you know, lost my job. Then very soon after, I had this massive emergency with my child that you're nearly lost, um, your wife's out of work, and then you feel like a failure because you feel like you're not providing, you're not doing the, being the head of the household. And if you had nobody to, nobody to talk to, nobody to confide in, like Jono, can you see where your life had gone? But the fact is that you, 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 you can't even look at that perspective and tell that story. There's a bit of feedback coming in there. Mate. Um, and, you know, even when I wanted you to tell a, a negative spin on your story, you couldn't do it. You kept acknowledging where God is all through the whole way, which I love about that, mate. 
oh, we probably easy to skip through a few steps. Um, like, yeah, in the, as I said to you, Fletcher's accident um, rocked us hard, but you know we we trust, you know, and to look back at that now to give you some context, you know, we trusted that God would right. put the right people around Fletcher, the the right doctors, the right surgeons, um, yeah, the right pieces of the puzzle to healing, um, the job, you know, like to be honest. Um, sorry, I hate saying this next to Marcus, but I loved the um, period of unemployment because I, I got to connect with the boys. Um, I, I the accident with Fletcher, so I felt like he needed me near him. And um, again, that period that God gave me. So it was 11 months, just FYI, I'm, I am working. Um, and, mate, I'll be praying for you to for something to come for you, mate. But... Um, I am working, but it's 11 months and 18 days, uh, and you know the journey. Um, this lovely man spent some good time with me, um, helping me re reconfigure how to sell myself. Um, I didn't... There was a few people, um, you know, a young man called Jacob Thompson in the room, and I remember sitting down with his mum and dad, and they were trying to breathe life into Aaron and I and drove away from them, and I'm thinking, Joe and Matt, I kind of think it's... Yeah, you know, I'll have a job in a, in a month's time and Joe and I have had a laugh about that since that, you know, I drove away thinking, yeah, it's all gonna be it's all gonna be fine. It sometimes it's not. But you've got to trust. But where I'd lost the trust was in my marriage. Right. So even though you acknowledge God's hand all the way through, there was obviously still a point where you felt like you didn't like the person you were and my wife deserved somebody better or I didn't deserve to be with the person that I am. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, I I just thought that the who I was wasn't good enough. Yeah, and that Aaron needed to be loved better. That um, my failures were, were 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 pulling her back. And you know, look, I'm happy to share. I shared with Nick the other night. You know, and, and yeah, you know, and, and it's flattening. And but. You got to. One thing I just want to leave you with is you got to believe that God's God's built you for your reason. There's a purpose. So God talks about, um, you know, after that John John the Baptist came before him as Elijah as the prophet. So when John the Baptist, you know, is is killed, Jesus um, goes off, you know, to be by himself. But it's to to fulfil what the prophet said. Um, I, every man and every woman has a journey mm -hmm. and I believe that God's journey for me is breaking generational curses and by that I say that no one from my family has ever stepped foot in a church um, that I know of and on my side of the family and I believe that God and my belief through the seasons that I've been in and now... And it's, it's hard in the struggle. It's hard in the struggle, especially of the, of the marriage, out of everything. It's hard. But I believe that everything he's doing is to break generational curses because I've got two young boys that rely on me as a father. Um, I want them to rely on their heavenly father, um, but I want them to know that they've got a father that's bringing them forward. It's about that next generation. So why, you know, it was important for, for me to have 
the Harry Goffs, the Isaac Peacocks, the Jacobs and the, the Dan Killies and, and all those guys to come through is I don't want them to think it's sunshine and roses. Yeah. I don't want them to see me walking through here on a Saturday or a Sunday and thinking, seeing me with my boys and thinking he's got it all together because I don't. And I, I'm, I'm never going to have it all together. You know, like that's a, that's a pipe dream and it's a fallacy. I remember Neil Grady talking on uh, March the 15th. I've still got it in my phone. And he talks about how the younger generation need to believe it's not always going to be good. There's not always the good in the Bible. Um, you know, that there are things that you're going to struggle with, but you turn to the word and you turn to the Lord. And that, that sat with me for a long time. And, but you, you, you and I spoke about this, Nick and I spoke about this on Saturday night. It, it, we do life together. So if I didn't invite Jono in yep. to my home on that Friday, yep. and I'm telling you right now, I just wasn't going to. All week I'd avoided, I'd avoided him like the plague. Um, I'd put the wall up, but I, God prompted. I, I'll, I'll give you this. God prompted me in the moment. I wanted to know where, and I'll share this with you. I wanted to know where I was going to stand with God if I signed that paperwork. I wanted to know that. I'd be okay that I'd still be loved by him. So I reached out to Jono and I just wanted to ask him that question. You know, am, am I going to be good in God's eyes? Well, Jono didn't want to answer that question because he wanted to see me face to face. And he said to me, mate, I'll see you in 45, 45 minutes. Let me finish where I am. I'll see you in 45 minutes. He knew there was another question that you were asking, but you weren't prepared to ask it. Am I worthy? Do I belong? Yeah, and, but he also knew that I was allowing myself to be weighed down with things that I didn't need to weigh myself down with. And he knew that I hadn't handed it all over. And I didn't know that. Yeah. Right. You, you, don't, you can't see the forest from the trees. I hadn't, hadn't handed it over. Like, so Fletcher, hand that over to God. You know, I'm in that hospital bed with him that night um, at Royal Children's. And he's in and out because he's heavily drugged up, and I'm just I'm just praying over, you know, God, you know, heal this little man. He's he's got he's so strong. What he's dealing with, he's so strong. To the um, the job stuff, you know, Heavenly Father, just deliver me to another job. You know, uh, if it can be as as fruitful as as this previous job, you know, Heavenly Father, whatever the remuneration will be, you know, all those sort of things. And I've spoken to the young young ones before about being specific, but with my marriage. Yeah, you know, I was just—I was too close to the problem. Exactly, and, and what I what I love about that is, even though you've got all this negative stuff, you you tried to keep away from it. And like I said, you're always going to be pulled back to that wall. But I like that you've got you know y your faith, and you've got people that you can call upon to pull you away from that and stop you being dragged down, lift you up, carry you forward. And uh, mate, uh, can we give these guys a hand for sharing that? Good on you, buddy. Thanks, mate. Thanks, buddy. Love hearing testimonies. And can see, you know, I hope you can see there that um, it either takes time to reveal hindsight or it takes someone else, like a coach, a counsellor, a pastor, to point out how God is working in your life. And, and look, so I'm using a coach or a counsellor because they're, they're the people that kind of do this stuff day in, day out. But it can actually be anybody with the right motive. 
So what do we do with this wall of shame that we have? Well, firstly, we need to be open to believing that there, there can possibly be another story or another perspective. And then be open, and this is the key, you've got to be open to receiving a new perspective of how God is working in your life. Because our past will keep us there if we let it. The enemy is fighting to say, uh, his right ear is saying, is there really power in your story? Surely not your story, maybe in others. I mean, look at it. We've all heard that message before, right? I'm not saying to tell tell yourself that this wall doesn't exist, because by just ignoring it, it's like taking a pill for your anger, right? You're not addressing the real problem. But in actual fact, the real impact of our story is actually our backstory. You know, where we've come from. I mean, I look normal, but I grew up in Tasmania. Ah, I'm amazing now, right? But the wall or story that holds you captive can be turned around if you actually turn around to be the actual thing that will glorify God the most if you let it. Dale and Marcus have allowed God to reframe their story. So, what about the Apostle Paul? I mean, he authored 13 of the 27 books of the New Testament, mostly while he was in prison. Impressive enough, but he was actually Saul of Tarsus, destined to become the high priest, and he's killing Christians until a Damascus Road conversion by Jesus himself. What about Johnny Lee Clary? You may not know of this guy. Um, he was the first white person to, to preach in a certain black, all-black church. And nothing really special about that until you learn the year before, he was a leader of the Ku Klux Klan. And there are thousands of stories like this. Like the, the worse the backstory, the better the testimony. What the devil meant for harm, God used for good. So will you allow God to be glorified through your story? Or will you let the devil keep you bound to your wall of negativity? So what about this power in the story? And that's in acknowledging that even though bad things may happen to us, God has used them for good, like Marcus and Dale. Our job is to recognise that even though these bad things have happened, God has shaped us to be better men than we are because we've gone through it. And I say through because you don't want to be, remain stuck in the messy middle. We need to get through. And maybe you're still in the messy middle and you need some help to get through. I encourage you to talk it out. Like Dale, like Marcus, like everybody that, that has gone through, talk it out. You know, James 5.16, confess your sins to one another. Pray for one another that you may be healed. So talk it out. The reality is that getting through our stuff is usually only a mind shift. That's really all it takes. But your story must acknowledge God's hand on it. That's where the power is. Otherwise, we become like everybody else in the world, where we we say things have happened and you push God aside, um, and then there's no glory in that, um, and there's no the devil's still sitting there um, smiling instead of frowning. Do you want to be smiling at your stuff? So... But this power isn't to impress other people. This power is to stop the devil from keeping you and others from being stuck at that wall. Look for that abundant life that is available to you. Because your battle isn't with flesh and blood. Our battle is in the spiritual realm. Get your joy back. And the joy of the Lord is our strength, right? Now, if you're sitting there thinking, 
if only I could see how God is working in my life. Well, that was me not so long ago. There's also Dale and Marcus and every other man here. But if I'd kept my story to myself, which I did for many years, I would never have lined up the dots and take the comfort in the refining that he was doing in me or to see how the unique qualities that he's placed in me right from the very beginning were actually being used for his kingdom. How do I know this? Because I've told my story multiple times in multiple ways. It started at a men's shed and through the feedback of other men, their perspective and prompts by the Holy Spirit, I can now see that God all throughout my life and he has never left me, he has never forsaken me, he certainly tested me, but he's never left me. And it doesn't matter what your backstory is, God can use everyone. And he does. He's actually using you right now. He is. He is active in your life right now. And I'm going to put myself out on a limb here. I'm going to try and prove it to you by telling a story. I'm not sure if anybody, if there's any mathematicians in the room here, but <clears throat> what are the odds of a home phone ringing when someone's about to pull the trigger? Or the odds of getting this vague text at a time where I would normally have my phone on silent. Coincidence? Help me calculate these odds then. So here's a bit of a backstory. I had my own business for 16 years, and then I had to close the doors. I had to actually get a job. I had to put myself on the other side of the table there. <laughs> that was hard. Ended up picking up a job as a recruiter. Um, and so I had six months probation. I was three weeks out from my probation. And it was a Thursday just before Easter last year. <clears throat> so during COVID, so I'm working from home. And I received this email from a boss saying that my work rate was being called into, into question. I was totally blindsided. I mean, we had a conversation that the business wasn't where it should be. Uh, but how did it go from that conversation to a formal performance review? So uh, he said on, on Tuesday after Easter, um, I'm going to invite HR and we'll have a formal performance review. Uh, but his touching note at the bottom of the email was, but don't let this ruin your Easter break. I thought, what just happened? I said, God, I am not touching this. This is yours. So I handed it over to him. However, <clears throat> that night, do you think I could sleep? I tossed and turned. Apparently, I hadn't fully handed it over to him. And I said, God, if you're in this, you know, let me know. I haven't got a, like a woolen fleece I could put out. And so for those that don't know, there's a, a book in the Bible, Judges 6, talks about Gideon saying, oh, if, you're, if this is really you from you, God, I'll put out a woolen fleece and I want you to wet it. And then I want you to make it dry. Anyway, so have a read of that yourself. But I had no fleece to put out. The only thing out were my garbage bins. Because it was bin night. So I said to God, if you're in this, knock over my bins. And I went to sleep. Next morning, got out of bed. Both bins, trucks uh, come early. Uh, I went down, pulled the bins back up, didn't think anything of it. Because, to be honest, do you really think I, uh, uh, that, that God would knock over my bins? No. A few hours later, we did the neighbourly thing of uh, uh, taking Easter eggs next door because they've got a young daughter. And, um, and Matt says, that's the daughter's dad, said, Matt, hey, did you hear the commotion at 3.30 this morning? And I said, no. He said, oh, 
um, he was woken up with these loud bangs, so he and his wife raced out of bed, came out to see three guys on push bikes riding up the road, knocking the bins over as they go. <laughs> he started chasing after them until he saw how big they were and then he stopped. And he turned around. As he came back, he stood all the bins back up again. So when I took, brought my bins back in, I never saw anything out of place. And so I didn't think any more of it. Anyway, when I, I told Matt... Um, when I told Matt that story, he was sort of gobsmacked. And later I asked me, you know, you know, we've been living here for, I think it was nine years at the time, I said, how many times have you known our bins to be knocked over? He said, never. And they haven't since. So to have, have them knocked over within hours of asking God to do it, what a coincidence. What are the odds? And then a couple of things hit me. Had we not gone next door to take some Easter eggs there. I may have never, ever known what had transpired. And then I also thought, God, if you're in my circumstances when I ask you to show me, how many times are you in my circumstances when I don't ask you to show me? Somebody probably needed to hear that right now. And I can't explain how distant I felt from God at that moment. I mean, I'd gone from losing my business, which was my baby I had for 16 years, to now maybe not even get past probation and a new job. Uh, I can tell you, though, apparently it wasn't anything to do with my performance because uh, actually this week I just got off a promotion. I know God's using... I know he used my boss just to humble me, uh, to help me to understand that God is still in control. He's always with me, has never left me. I'm certainly nothing special... And so I want you to be encouraged that he's always with you too, even if you can't see it straight away. So God had convinced me that I was there for a reason. And, and once I'd had that settled in my head, I then started to look around to see, well, how are you using me in this job? If you want me here, I mean, I applied for multiple jobs as well because I wasn't happy. But he's never allowed me to get into another job. And so I can see that he's using me with relationships, go figure. You know, with my, I've got an atheist colleague in Melbourne. We have some amazing conversations. And I've got a lady that I work with here in, in, in uh, Brisbane and, and she's open to hearing about God and what's the understanding of it. It's just amazing how um, he's using me in relationships in his life. So I don't hide my faith at work. I talk openly at, about attending church and men's events and God is using me there. So I've never asked God to do anything like that before. And I don't recommend making a habit of uh, testing God. Um, but what I've learnt that he is intricately involved in all of our lives. And even if we can't see it, even if you don't get confirmation of it straight away, uh, like by me going next door, he is working, and you need to understand that. So this is not only strengthened my faith, but it's now part of my story. And there are many parts of my story, but this is just one of them. But it's the part I want to tell. I want to glorify God for the work that he's done and changing me. And so this is my encouragement to you, is to talk about your story. And if you've never told it in a way that glorifies God, can I encourage you to get alongside someone else, maybe somebody else here, make a coffee date, ask them to help you to see where God has or maybe is actually working in your life because he is. So remember, it's hard to see when we're in the trees by ourselves, um, but it's better for somebody to join you who's not, not in those trees so they can see things differently. And then do it again with two or three people so you get a couple of different perspectives. 
And it may, while it may come across as a bit of a pity party the first time you say it, if your goal is to see where God's working and you're open to listening, then it's not going to be a pity party. Help to look and get that understanding of where God might be working. And so this has been placed heavy on my heart because I've seen so much freedom from guys releasing stuff. There was one particular guy. He said, I, I've, not, I've held on to this stuff for 40 years. I've not told anybody. This has been amazing that I can feel free to tell this stuff. Um, it's, um, this is where, when you release this stuff, this is where the, the abundant life is. This is where the joy that we can have and the contentment of knowing that even though this stuff's happened, God wants me to be me. And, uh, and when you use that to glorify him, it's just amazing. I mean, who's, have you heard the song, you know, It Is Well With My Soul? Some of you may have heard that one. Horatio Spatford wrote this um, when he visited a place, and he wrote it at the time when he was on a ship, he visited the exact place where his four daughters had died in a shipping accident. And if you can write a song called It Is Well With My Soul at that point, what sort of perspective did he have? So Jesus promised um, us to leave us with his Holy Spirit. That he said they would never, this Spirit would never leave us. And, and John 14.7 hit me the other week. It says, He is the Holy Spirit who leads us into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognise him. Are you looking for him? Can you recognise him? I may have been looking, but I didn't recognise him until my bin episode showed me that I need a mind shift. I need to look at my life differently to become more aware of how he is working in my life. And I hope that is an encouragement to you as well. Because when you see God's hand in your life, it changes your story. It gives you permission to tell that negative story in your head to get lost. There's a new narrative I run now. Remember, there is power in your story, but if nobody hears it, the power can never be used for his kingdom. When you tell you the right story, that Satan-defeating power story, you feel better about yourself, you feel better about belonging and community, and you are much more likely to feel loved and to be able to love others. Who'd like that? So, Father, that is my prayer today. Lord, thank you, Lord, that you are heavily involved in each one of our lives, even if we can't see it. Father, for those that are yearning to, to know you more, Lord, to see where you're actually working, Father. May you place it heavy on our hearts to speak to somebody. May you put people in our path that just prompt us to go, you know what, I like where you're going there with that. Tell me more about how what you see is going on in my life. Father, knit us together as a group of men. Help us know what that healing power is that James 5.16 talks about is. Father, we love you, we thank you for the work you're doing in our lives and may you be blessed in all we do as we continue our time in the red tape. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, fellas. Can you hear me? Is that on? Yep. Um, you know, sitting on these chairs... <coughs> And pouring all the, you know, like weak stuff and all the vulnerability that's in your life out to a group of guys like this takes a lot of guts. 
um, and it's a courageous effort. So I'd just like us to just put our hands once again for, for Dale and Marcus. I thought that was just really, really, you know, to put yourself out there is, 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 a, is a, it's a courageous act. I really loved, like, some of the things that I've written down here about reframing your perspective. Like, some of the stuff that this guy's just gone, you know, done today is just, just gold. Um, how often do we re, you know, like misinterpret the trials and the tests that we go through um, as men in our lives? We misinterpret it. And because we misinterpret it, we respond to it miss, wrongly, you know, erroneously. So if we can reframe our perspective, as Paul was just talking, perhaps we get a better idea about <coughs> what some people are calling coincidences and perhaps we start calling them God incidences, you know. Um, and it does, it just, it's just going to take a mind shift to just readjust, you know, perhaps realign um, just the way we're thinking about stuff. And here's the key. <clears throat> you know, if you've been coming to these things for a while, you know that we, we like to push this concept of fractals. Fractals is the name that we just call small groups. And we encourage guys to get into small groups of three or four and do life together. And I mean really do life together, getting close, because it's all about relationship, isn't it? If I'm in a group with, <coughs> with three or four other guys who really, really know me well, and that might take, you know, six months, 12 months to get to a point like that, <coughs> and I'm regularly telling them and I trust them about the issues that I'm going through, right, then or if they know me really well, they'll be able to pick up, you know, if I'm thinking about, you know, bending the, the office secretary over, you know, the table all the time. Um, or if I'm thinking, you know, like if I'm, if I'm spending X amount of money at, at, at you know, Dan Murphy's or, or doing something like that, if something's going awry in my life, these are the sort of guys who would be looking to pick that up first in my, you know, in me. And hopefully... In connecting with these with, with these guys, not take anything like that too far. Or another another way to say it is, I guess, nip it in the bud and address it early, before it gets time to really do any sort of damage. You know, so um, I really love that. Um, <coughs> yeah, that was just some of my some of my notes. Um, look, again, an event like this doesn't happen. You know, like. Uh, without the help of the volunteers that we've had today, the women that... Girls, are you still there? Are they still there? There's one. I saw her through the window. So if I can get the women just out here, they're helping us clean up. I just want to thank the guys who did the cooking, you know, like Hayden, Josh, you know, like the people who helped set up, Steve who organised all the food and... And Marty, who was helping him, you know, with set up the tables and chairs. And anyone else who came in early, um, Yossi, thank you for your help. Um, look, what we want to foster is, is, there's Helen, there's Dolores, my mum, and there's Christine. 
Give them a round of a hand. A round of a hand. <laughs> a round of applause. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and so I, I just want to honour all the volunteers because it's that spirit of, you know, volunteership, the service that makes something like this, you know, like happen, you know. Um, and so if you, can, if you can stay around for like 10 or 15 minutes and help just sort of, you know, put some table and chairs away and that sort of, that would be greatly appreciated, anyone who could do that. Now, that announcement that I was mentioning, um, before I do, let me ask you, who's, who here is in a relationship who he's married how many yeah, yeah. who's not okay all right who <clears throat> that's a cheerful um let me ask you a question if if you could have had a blueprint for being able to do relationships well in the beginning you know i'm talking about like some of your serious if you could have had a blueprint a guide to know how to do this well who would have liked that? Awesome. Well, <clears throat> we usually have man camp at the end of the year, so date. So I'm doing a date claimer. First weekend in November. So November 5, Friday, November 5, which is a night time session, and then Saturday, the 6th of November, we're having an event here, and we're calling it the Relationship Blueprint. How to do them well. And so more details, we're ironing out, we're really streamlining right now the registration process and we'll be putting some information on, on the website, on the, on the Facebook page shortly. So keep your eye on that. You'll all be no doubt getting contacted so, and, and so that's what it's going to be about. So just set the date, first weekend in November, the relationship blueprint. It's going to be all about how to do this well. Yeah. So that's about it from me. Fellas, thank you. God bless you. Um, um, you know, go home with peace and God's blessing. And if you can, hang back for five, ten minutes and uh, put some tables and chairs away. That would be great. But we will see you at um, the, blue, the, the Relationship Blueprint first week in November. <laughs>